You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and CastBox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week, we are dissecting 2018's Halloween, directed by David Gordon Green. But first, our pop culture check-in. For long-time listeners, that's the first time that we're trying out our new official intro so that'll be here to stay and it's nice and organized and that way i can't mess it up anymore um so that's fun and we sounded professional i like oh man so fancy we are fancy now it only took a year to get that plugged in we talked about it for like six months so it was the thought that counted yeah that's true i mean we talked about this podcast for like 10 years so it just takes us a while to get around to things sometimes we are going to do our pop culture check-in. If you are a new listener, uh, before we dive into the slasher film of the week, B and I talk about things that we've watched or seen, listened to, read, whatever, um, because we are huge slasher fans, but we are also avid horror fanatics, um, cinephiles, well, wannabe cinephiles, and just pop culture junkies in general. So it kind of gives you guys a chance to get to know us on a deeper level than just the slasher. Um, it's pretty much officially winter i know it's not but it's that we're cold. recording this the day after thanksgiving well and, and it's getting or no the thanksgiving day was sorry not yesterday not the day after thanksgiving i don't the know the weekend of thanksgiving. the weekend of thanksgiving and it feels like winter to me because f- unfortunately fall and spring are you know only about a month long anymore because of the seasons um so it rained in california for the first time in we desperately like, needed it so Oh, forever. And, and so it feels like winter to us because, holy shit, we got some rain. I also um, stubbornly and very um, adamantly hold on to not watching Christmas things until at least the day after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So, but I do really enjoy Christmas movies, and B has been weirdly festive this year. So mm-hmm. I did, I, I will admit, I started, I guess I'll start my pop culture check in with that. Um, I mean, Harry Potter is a every year like rotation for me for christmas i don't understand people watch it at halloween i guess yeah, just because it's they're wizards yeah it's like because their magic. abc family plays it one one movie showcases their halloween like even in the books i'm reading the books right now and halloween barely plays into it and like Cause they don't celebrate halloween in england the way we do here in the well States. they also like the second book, they skip the Halloween feast to go hang out with nearly a little snack. Like the third book is all about like serious black, and like most of the holidays are shut down. Halloween, but like it's always like snowing, and like that's always a big thing about like the books. Like Christmas, I feel like takes place a lot more um, upfront than Halloween does for sure in the books, and definitely way, 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 way more in the movies. So yeah. for me, it is oh, definitely man. like a Christmas season movie. That's so weird. I always think about people in like the Southern Hemisphere. Who have Christmas when it's their summer? Oh, you so mean like, like in Australia, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. So it's summertime and warm for their Christmas, but all of—I mean, I don't know about their personal media, but all of our media here in the states—it's like fucking snowing. And I remember being annoyed in California. 
being like, it doesn't snow here. Yeah. We don't get snowy Christmases. Yeah, once every 10 years or so. But it's cold. It's definitely cold. It's not summer. And um, B and I are in the northern part of California, so it's colder than what you are often shown on television of, like, the... <coughs> Excuse me, the like balmy winters of 70 degrees in SoCal. Well, yeah, SoCal is funny because people think it's like really nice and it is nice, but it's never hot down there. Yeah, everyone was always like, oh, it's hot, right? And then it's like crazy hot. Yeah, it's like, no, no, it's just always 70 degrees. Yeah. Like it's it's just constantly 70 degrees. Where here we get like 110 degree summers and then we get like 40. We get down to 30 30, sometimes. It just doesn't rain enough for it to actually snow. Which is unfortunate because there's your lesson on Northern California weather. Yeah, last last episode was math. This 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 is weather. Yeah, it's weather. So um, started the Harry Potters, and I'm doing my reread of the book. So I've only watched physically. Yes, Um, my wife bought me the whole set for my birthday. I didn't own it somehow. I mean, I did at my mom's house um, in hardcover, like all the old school. Oh, but did you share them with the brothers? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so I had mine are right there, the bottom shelf next to Twilight and the Hunger Games. Every time I came in here. And, excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, I finally have my own set, and I'm on the third book, but only have watched the first movie. So that was a, my, like, quote-unquote first official Christmas movie. What's your favorite book? Probably three. It's my favorite book. Yeah, and it's probably my favorite movie, too. Mm, no. But I really like Goblet of Fire as well. Yeah. Um, and then my first real official Christmas movie was The Grinch from 2000, starring Jim Carrey. Which I actually haven't seen all the way through in a couple of years. Um, only like bits Last and pieces time. would kind of put it on in the background while we were like making dinner or something. But I totally sat down and watched it. And I miss Jim Carrey as an actor, is what I realized. He hasn't been. As opposed been, to Jim he just Carrey hasn't as been, a person? I mean, I like Jim Carrey as a person too, but he's weird. And uh-huh. um, he hasn't been in a lot lately at all. Mm-hmm. And I definitely well, miss. Well, he's been going through a lot of personal stuff. Oh, yes. Um, but I just miss I him going like full tilt Jim Carrey. And in that movie, he is just that, you know, throw him in a Grinch costume and let him go yeah. full Jim Carrey. That is my favorite Christmas movie. <coughs> that cough was not my reply to me. So <laughs> I was not scoffing at her. I'm, I'm getting, I, I'm not, I don't, I, I'm not sick. I just can't get this damn cough. It's so annoying. Smoke. We've been inundated with a lot of yeah, smoke. Yeah, lots of smoke. It's super frustrating. Um, and so it's just like a dry cough, but it's up there for me. I mean, I think if I had to get down to it, Home Alone might be my favorite or Love Actually, but, mm. but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I also watched, so, um, I had a kind of low-key weekend, which was nice. It's the first time in a while, so I've been trying to catch up on movies. I did buy Love, Simon, and Ready Player One on Black Friday. I also, I didn't, um, I rewatched Ready Player One, haven't rewatched Love, Simon yet, but I've talked about that before. I also picked up Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which is based on the cartoon show on Cartoon Network. I thought that one was in theaters. It was earlier oh, it was this year. was in yeah. theaters. What's the one in theaters right now? Oh, Spider-Man, right? Almost. Enter the Spider-Verse is almost in theaters, yeah. Um, Teen Titans Go to the Movies is awesome. I did not ever really watch the Teen Titans Go show because I grew up with the original Teen Titans show, which I loved. And then when they changed it to Teen Titans Go and changed the animation and kind of like more kid focus, like lost the like more serious Which tone one did I watch? The original. Okay. Um, with like the actual fighting and stuff in it. Oh, yeah. yeah and Teen, I had a crush on Robin. Yeah. Teen Titans Go is totally like a comedy. But Teen Titans Go to the Movies is... I, the best description I saw actually was someone online said, this is basically... 
a PG-rated animated Deadpool, which is 100% accurate. accurate. It's got a ton of jokes that are going to go over kids' heads that, like, are definitely not kid-friendly, but parents will appreciate, and it's super meta, Um, not just for movies, but for comic books as well. So, like, hardcore comic book fans will love it. There's, like, lots of, like, little things that I thought were really funny. Um, Like, there's a poster in the background at one point that, if you're not looking, you won't notice, but it's Aquamanatee, and it's just a manatee dressed as Aquaman, including, like, the full blonde wig and everything. Um, And then, like, the whole plot is... very Spongebob-y. Yeah, um, it definitely has, like, that style of humor, not quite as fast-paced as Spongebob, because Spongebob's, like, rapid fire. Um, But the whole plot is Robin has decided he's not a real superhero until he gets a movie made about him, and every superhero is getting movies made about them now. And, like, the movie starts off with him going to Batman's new movie premiere, and he's hoping that one of the trailers he sees will be for Robin. And they announced the Alfred movie, and then they announced the Batmobile movie, and then they announced the Utility Belt movie, and then the rest of the movie kicks off with him, like, being determined to make a movie. It's very funny. Um, It's also, like, slightly musical. There's, like, five musical numbers in it. Um, If you haven't watched it because you thought it looked too childish or, like, it's just not the Teen Titans you grew up with, I would say definitely give it another chance because I super, super enjoyed it. I like actually laughed out loud through most of the movie um i also watched the happy time murders which was the brian henson movie that if you guys don't remember melissa mccarthy was in it it's kind of like got that who frame roger rabbit feel a little bit where it's like there's a puppet or a muppet he's a muppet detective and he um he's a he's a pi he was kicked off the force melissa mccarthy was his ex-partner he starts investigating these murders that are happening to other muppets um it's very very extremely raunchy um joel McHale's in it um maya rudolph's in it uh elizabeth banks is in it so the cast is super likable uh it doesn't work all the way but i thought that it was it got really ripped up in the reviews and i thought it was nowhere near that bad um so that's another one i would check out if you're into like that raunchy style of comedy which i can be sometimes and I thought, like, it was not too much Melissa McCarthy, um, which I think she's best when she's a little restrained. Uh, I also watched Searching by, I don't remember the director's name, but it's that one with John Chu, or John Cho, John Chow. Cho. Cho? I think so. Um, and he, from the Star Trek, uh, Star Trek movies, I like that's the first one I say, not Harold and Kumar, because, of course, in my head, I'm like, yeah, from Star Trek, not Harold Correct. and Kumar. Um, and then that one weird show that got canceled, Selfie? Sure. Never even watched it. You are the TV person. <clears throat> it was um, directed by Anish Chagaanti. I'm going to butcher this. I'm sorry. He plays uh, David Kim, who his daughter... We have a friend named David Kim. Yeah, so the whole that's movie, why I laughed. Yeah, the whole movie we were just laughing. Um, his daughter goes missing, and the whole movie is like unfriended. So it's like computer screens or um, phone screens the entire time. And his daughter goes missing, and he gets involved in the investigation of, like, trying to find her. It is extremely good. Um, Very tense. Lots of, like, twists and turns. Um, I think that, like, he's excellent in it. It's probably one of his best acting roles so far. Deborah Messing is in it, and she was also very, like, yeah, super enjoyable. Um, And it's just smart. It's very well done. Uh, I really like the Unfriended series, which did the same thing, but I think this one even did it a little smarter and better. Um, and then the last one I'll talk about is The Clove Hitch Killer, since that one is, <clears throat> it is actually a horror movie. Um, and, and that one is 
pretty new. It just hit VOD and like uh, Amazon to rent and everything. And it's got Dylan McDermott in it, uh, directed by Duncan Skiles. It's an IFC midnight film, so they tend to go towards like more like thriller, horror, fantasy. And it very much plays into the true crime, like, fanaticism that is existing in the pop culture realm right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but the premise is a, the, a kid lives in this small town where they had a famous killer. They suspected a famous killer lived there. He was called the Clove Hitch Killer because he used a certain knot when he would tie people up. Um, and that person hasn't killed for 10 years. And he finds something one night that makes him suspect of his father who is Dylan McDermott, who is also just, like, he's a, he's the scout troop leader. He's super Christian. Like, he literally says things like, wow, we really got ourselves into a pickle here. Um, like, talks mm-hmm. like that. So, like, the anti-killer, you would think. And he, this kid, um, teams up, basically, with this girl in town who is fascinated with true crime and the Clove Hitch Killer to help him figure out if his father is indeed the killer or not. And, um, about halfway through the movie, they kind of, like, flip the formula on its head, and it changes the tone of the movie, and it makes it, I think, stand out a whole lot more than it would have if it just played through, like, any of these movies sort of would. Um, basically, like, halfway through, you start seeing things through Dylan McDermott's perspective, which the whole movie you've been following, like, his son. His son. Um, and it makes it really interesting. So definitely, I I would recommend that one too. Um, and I think it's just really smart. It's one of those slow burns, though, so you have to be okay with that. But I'm I th- in the right mood for it. Yeah, um, but it's also pretty funny just because like of how Dylan McDermott plays his character. So I think he's a good actor. I like him. I really like him. I've liked yeah. him since he was on whatever that TV show he was on Boston Public. I think was the one I used to watch with my mom, and I always thought he was really good in it. Oh, no, The Practice. That was it. I love The Practice. Um, yeah, that was it. I mean, there was more, but that's what I'm going to talk about this week. And there's always more. <coughs> I also watched a Christmas movie, which is... I watched it on Thanksgiving. Was it um, this one, The Princess Switch? I watched The Princess Switch. So that's that a Christmas is, movie? Yeah. A Netflix original, which they're really pumping out sort of what Hallmark is famous for is sort of these I saw this meme and I was just cracking up because it's so true like if you watch any of like the Lifetime or Hallmark type movies which I like them I get enjoyment out of them like never do I walk away and go like yes that was such like a rewarding well done film but there's something about just watching a good old fashioned cheesy movie that just brings me a lot of joy and of course I watch it with my mom she was up for Thanksgiving and so she's like, oh, have you seen The Princess Switch yet? I'm like, mom, it's a Christmas movie. And she's like, so? And then we watched it. Um, but like the Hallmark movies, it's sort of the typical storyline. Um, this one is starring Vanessa Hudgens of High School Musical fame. And she's gone on to do like a ton of stuff. But mm-hmm. um, Spring Breakers fame. Yeah, Spring Breakers. Um, so this is sort of a Prince and the Pauper storyline. She meets a stranger who's a lookalike. Um, she's a baker in this, like, Genovia-type made-up town. And she's there for a baking competition. And she runs into the Duchess, who's about to be married and become the queen of this quaint little European town. And finds out that 
they're identical strangers. Mm. And they decide to switch places for two days. Um, Do you and... like that the Lizzie McGuire movie is basically The Prince and the Pauper as well? Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, I, it's a great story. Yeah. It's, no, it's used it's, so much. It's so you're easy. You're playing out you a can, fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's the fantasy of I'm just a regular girl and I there's this celebrity who has like fame and money and you know a handsome prince or whatever it is and they're unhappy in their life for some reason and they want to just be normal and you're like fuck take my normal life mm-hmm. and so is this um, new this year uh-huh, yeah it just oh, wow. came out so it's brand new um, I think it debuted at some point this like last week or two. Um, but you know what? I will just say, I mean, in general, I'm a Vanessa Hudgens fan, but she does a really incredible job of playing two different characters. Um, but she has these like subtle nods when she's, you know, the regular girl pretending to be the princess. She has even these physical little movements she has for each character that you can kind of tell like that she slips, which is what would happen. Um, so she kind of definitely took that a step above, um, some of these other, like, kind of more low-quality Lifetime and Hallmark ones I've seen, just because her performance was so much better than a lot of the actors they get. Um, and the prince is played by, um, I'm forgetting his name, but he was in the show Nashville. Mm, And both of them are really great singers, and I was like... Before we started the movie, I look at my mom like, please tell me they sing. And she's like, no, there's no singing. I'm like, damn, that's such a missed opportunity because they both have such good voices. Um, But that was really cute. So if you like sort of silly, cheesy movies, I've seen there was like one of them on Netflix last year that was okay. This one was definitely better. Um, I also sort of caught up in the Marvel Universe finally. So we watched Black Panther like a few weeks back. Um, Because that was, like, the movie that was stopping us from being able to see the new Avengers. And my husband really likes the movies, but, you know, they're pretty intense. And, like, a lot of action, a lot of drama. And so we, he's usually not in the mood for it. And then finally, like, when Black Panther went on Netflix, I'm like, we're just going to watch it. And so we watched it. I really liked it. I thought it was excellent. I Um, loved it. I love Michael B. Jordan. I loved Michael B. Jordan. He, like, made that movie for me. Um, but I also liked the world. It kind of mm-hmm. reminded me of like Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, Wakanda was just a cool, those are the Marvel movies I like. I don't enjoy the ones that are really set here in the States. I don't really care for the Iron Mans that much. I didn't really love the first Thor. I don't like the ones that take place in like regular, regular old earth. I love like Guardians and the ones that are out in space and the Thors that are out in space. Mm-hmm, like and the newest Thor, yeah. Yeah, the newest Thor, Ragnarok. Um, and so this one I really liked because Wakanda was like this sort of more fantasy tale, which I really enjoyed. Well, Wakanda's cool too because it's this style that's almost, it's underutilized a lot in film, which is partially because we don't get enough African-American representation in film. And what was so great <laughs> about Black Panther was I love that Ryan Coogler did it. Whoop whoop, Sac State represent. Yep. Um, and it's called Afrofuturism, which is a style of, um, it's kind of like, you know, like steampunk or something. It's just a, a visual and artistic full flair and style where you incorporate, um, like, futuristic things with African. With traditional. Yeah, African, with traditional African, yeah. like, like the beads. Um, art and style. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was really, really cool. No, it was super cool. So Black Panther was excellent. And so that. Then I think after Black Panther, we watched Ant Man two. 
mm-hmm. um, which was fine. I didn't. I liked it. I don't think I would really rewatch that one. That movie to me, because it's supposed, it's meant to be watched after Infinity War. To me, I it watched is, it before. <laughs> I know it's it's a palate cleanser after Infinity War. Yeah. it's like you're like. Well, that Which was super bummer and sad yeah. and down. And then you watch Ant-Man and you're like, oh, this is much brighter. Yeah. Like, no, it makes more sense now because we realize, we didn't realize that we watched them out of order. I, I mean, they kind of coincide almost. Yeah, like, they're like yeah. happening at the same time. Essentially, yeah. Um, And so then we did watch Infinity War and holy smokes, guys, that movie. It's a... Uh, it's like in the first like two minutes, I was like, wait, how is this happening? Oh, yeah. It's like brutal. it was a big like climactic scene between these characters and i'm like wait huh for a second i thought that had skipped ahead for like a good like minute i was like wait i don't think we're at the right part this can't be the beginning it's because it's the first marvel movie it takes place literally where thor 3 ends yeah like like immediately like a minute after yeah Yeah, it's crazy and that's what i realized i'm like oh shit this is the end of like ragnarok Mm -hmm. okay and but once i caught in I don't know. It's that whole entire movie is just a whole lot of like, and you can't talk about it without spoiling it. It's not really possible. No, no, yeah. I mean, especially like the last half of that movie. All I will say is that it's super intense. It's like two and a half hours long. Yeah. And some characters get more time than others, which is to be noted. Um, They make like two comments. One, that Scott, who is Ant Man, is not in it because of family obligations and also um, Hawk. Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. Um, which, just because he didn't want to be in it, the well, actor, Jeremy Renner, was doing Well, no, because he's going to be in a, the fourth, the, the technically fourth Avengers movie. Um, and then they explain it a little bit more in Ant-Man. Like, basically, it's explained that Hawkeye and Ant-Man, took the, inside, instead of being on the run, decided to go on house arrest. Which is also why Hawkeye's not there. Gotcha. Because they mention it in Ant-Man and Wasp as well. They're like oh, um, Clint and Scott were the ones that, like, did this. So, like, that's why they're not involved is because, and they're both family. They have yeah, families. Yeah, they have families, So yeah. that's why they decided to go on house arrest instead of being on the run with um, Steve and everyone else. Yeah. So, I uh, mean, it's cool. I mean, it's super awesome to see all the characters come together who haven't come together before. Um, because, what, how many movies have they, they put out? I think that's, like, the 12th? Yeah, they've I mean, put out so many movies, and... It's it gets confused, and I'm not like massive Marvel fan. I mean, I like all the movies. I definitely watch all of them. I mean, there's some I watch more than others. Like I said, I watch Guardians a lot. I we love those ones. I watch those often. But there's some that I haven't really seen since they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to happen. And that's what's nice about those films is that there's going to be like, oh, I like this one, and that's those are my favorite characters. So it was awesome to see the Guardians, like, interact with all these other Marvel characters I've seen for years. And Yeah, I thought it was pretty amazing what the Russos were able to do to take... It's pretty daunting to go, okay, we have 12 movies and all these characters, and we have to make the story work and give everyone screen time. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are definitely people that get more screen time than others, but it's pretty equally divvied out for the most part because... Well, with the established characters. Like, yes. Like, the... Like, the Black Panther characters are really only in it for, like... Once they get to Wakanda and Once stuff. they get to yeah. Wakanda. With the core Avengers and then I'd say Guardians. Yeah. Like, get the main get, screen yeah. time. Um, and then Spider-Man and Doctor Strange get a ton, too. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Uh, I loved all of the Guardians-Thor interaction. Oh, yeah. Like, was absolutely was my so favorite. Great. Like, Thor talking to Rocket, and he's just like, you're obviously the captain of the ship. And Rocket's like, that's right, I am. 
Um, no, it was all, I mean, hilarious. And you needed those moments because the movie's super sad and dark. And yeah. just a lot of death. And, and not just in, within characters, but within, like, the scheme of the world. Mm-hmm. And you're just thinking, like, there's massive amount of characters in this universe dying um, and innocent civilians. And that's kind of, like, a hard thing. I know we we, like brush that off and it's like okay but cool this like ship just wrecked through new york city and there's probably like thousands of people who just died like yeah. it's no they're intense movies it was with, intense. Like, intense repercussions and it's exciting to see what yeah it, yeah do. i'm excited to see the next one and probably the last avengers at least with these characters <laughs> with anyways, these characters i really think until it gets like rebooted Ugh, when like we're everything. yeah um, and then we don't reboot the- Back to the Future. Oh my god! I'm sure, everyone saw that on Twitter. Just don't do it. It just doesn't need to be done yet. You're fine. Um, so we kind of cleansed that off with Deadpool two, which we hadn't seen yet. I also love that movie. Um, and that was really fun. Um, I think it did a good job of being a sequel and being different than the original. Um, and not relying on the storyline from the first one at all Mm -hmm. it really was just sort of its own story but i mean super funny ridiculous amount of references to the marvel universe yeah like like way more and dc way more than the first one they seriously were like and there's a lot of like comic book references in Mm -hmm. there too like for comic book fans because there were ash my wife ashley went and saw it with me in theaters and she said there were numerous times where she like did not understand something and she'd look over and i was like laughing hysterically yeah so i think it did a really good job it basically was like we don't fucking care who's going to get these references they're going to be made and someone's going to get it yeah it reminded me of an episode of 30 rock where it's just like every single line is a reference whether Mm -hmm. you get it or not Mm -hmm. um it's there for you um, but that was super fun. So we sort of had like a, our Thanksgiving break was sort of, um, superhero, superhero. themed. Um, and then I finally watched The Greatest Showman, um, which came on like January I of this year. Either, yeah. Um, I love music. I love musicals. Um, I don't know why. It's just something that sort of fell off my radar. And of course I've heard about the soundtrack and I've, I know the songs cause I've heard them so many times just out in the world. And we both love Hugh Jackman and Zach. Yeah, I love the cast. It's great. Um, Michelle Williams in it. Um, and so it was good. The music was excellent. The musical numbers within the movie were spectacular. When The way they were filmed, the dancing. Um, it's about, for those of you who don't know, it's about P.T. Barnum's sort of start. Um, how he meets Bailey. Um, what inspired him to start like a circus type show and you know they definitely play with uh, the whole theme especially like with the songs and everything is all about not being ashamed of who you are if you're a little weird that's okay um, and so really empowering and that's all great the, the themes it, are much more empowering than Barnum was in yes. real life and even Barnum, how he's portrayed, I mean, they don't portray him great, which is good. I'm glad they, they definitely sugarcoat the person. Um, and it's hard to have Hugh Jackman not be super likable. Um, but he isn't. And I my only complaint about the film is they focus a little bit too much on him and less on the supporting cast and the actual um, characters and the the sideshow characters themselves because those were like the shining moments when you're with the bearded lady and the tattooed man and the strongest man and um the the performers the trapeze performers 
all of those parts of the movie were wonderful. They focus a little bit too much on him as a character and he wasn't great and they didn't sugarcoat it too much. I mean, they do a little bit. It definitely gets sort of a Disney gloss over. Um, but if you're a fan of musicals and like show numbers, um, the choreography and everything is really cool. Um, so I really enjoyed it. And I think I'll probably be visiting the soundtrack more than the actual film. And written by Bill Condon. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's Michael Gracie's a director. It's his directorial debut, but, um, Bill Condon was one of the writers and he's the one who did the beauty and the live action beauty and the beast. And the fourth Harry Potter, I think. Yeah. He's been doing a lot and you can definitely see his, um, touch and his imagination in it. Um, and then the last thing, I finished a super good book, one of those ones that you're kind of not ready to start another one afterwards, and that was Then She Was Gone by Lisa Jewell, which came out this year. Um, it's another one of those sort of mystery Gone novels. Girl, girl yeah, Gone Girl-esque yeah. type novels, Big Little Lies. Um, but this one was just like high caliber, because I read a lot of them, because I enjoy them, and some I'm like, meh, meh. And this one was like, whew really really good um the actual mystery it's a you hear it from this like 50 year old woman's um perspective her daughter went missing and it breaks the book up into three parts and what i really loved about this book was the pacing so part one we have the mother and the daughter um and you hear you're hearing from both of them about sort of what was going on right before she went missing and then sort of how the mom's dealing with it because it's been 10 years and they don't know what happened to her. They haven't found her body or anything. And then it makes like a huge revelation and then goes to part two and then it sort of switches gears and then it switches to the mother and this man she meets and starts dating. And then part two becomes about their relationship and what that means and then part three, and then it ends with a huge revelation um, that goes back to the mystery. And then part three is when it like all dives in and comes together, and it's just really well done. Um, and so definitely, if you like skip around and find yourselves liking the ones that are really good, and then you don't have the energy to read all of the not so great ones that I do, this is definitely yeah. one to check out. That is me, so I'll probably yeah check, check this one out. It's super super well done. Um, I can imagine that it would be a really fast burn if you're physically reading it. I listen to it, um, but that'd be my book recommendation. Then she was gone, Lisa Jewell. Cool. I like all those books. Yeah. Um, it's one of my. I think they're like fun to read through. <coughs> so the movie we're covering is 2018's Halloween, which, uh, as you guys know, came out in October, October 19th, pretty close, or yeah, October 19th, pretty close to actual Halloween. Michael Myers's birthday. It's a little it, trivia for you. I thought his birthday was Halloween. It's October 19th. Wow, very cool. Uh, Laurie Strode confronts her longtime foe, Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. So, huge, 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 huge spoilers. So, if you guys yes. haven't seen it yet, go ahead and go Skip this one. Skip it. Yeah, um, go see it in theaters comes still. Out, yeah, I think it's probably still in some theaters. It comes out on VOD December 28th, and then will be released on Blu-ray, DVD, 4K, Ultra HD, all that good stuff, January 15th. Yeah. So, if you haven't seen it... 
You can rent it on the or buy it on VOD on the 28th. If not, you got to wait till January. Yep. Uh, we are 40 years removed from the original Halloween, which is one of the alternate titles was Halloween H40, 40 years later. Thank God it wasn't called that. I hate the H40. That sounds really dumb. Also, I can't believe it's been 20 years since H20. Uh, and Halloween Returns was another working title, which I think would have been referred then to me constantly having to say Halloween 2018 Ugh. or David Gordon Green's, Green's Halloween. Halloween. I hate the title Halloween as this film because it's not a remake. If it was a remake, Halloween is a fine title. Can, I, 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 like, I have, I definitely have issues with it. I understand a little bit, but, uh, because it's a very interesting... <laughs> Sequel? Yeah, we decided to do this because I know... For the most part, we want to cover sequels after we've done the original, but Halloween is kind of a stalwart, and we don't want to touch it for a while. And also, this movie is different than normal sequels because it completely ignores every other sequel. Um, which direct is direct sequel to the... First movie. First movie. Which, this is taking place after we've had six sequels in the actual, like, other canon, and then also to, like, a reboot Remix. that had its own sequel. So it's very different, which is why we decided to handle it, and also because we thought it stood up alone as... If you hadn't seen 1978's Halloween, yeah. we feel like you could have gotten into this entry with the without have seen it and been okay. Yeah, I definitely think it helps seeing it and like there are things and like homages that you're going to a appreciate. Million, yeah, so a much million more. homages. Um, but I think this movie like you could have very much inferred from how it's made and like the story that is told like oh, obviously like this is traumatic for her. She dealt with this past event. Well, they um, use storytelling devices like when um <sighs> the podcasters. Um the podcaster's telling the story, and then also Lori's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, why am I forgetting her name? Allison. Um, Allison, when she's walking with her friends, mm-hmm. they kind of use that to describe, like, oh, this is what happened with my grandma. Um, because I think there are probably going to be, you know, kids who went and saw this who maybe haven't seen the original. Oh, or, definitely. Or yeah. tried watching the original. It wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. It was too slow. Because um, it's different than horror movies made now. So I can get if you're just a casual slasher fan or like you know um a casual horror fan the original halloween might not really be for you at least not yet yeah so i mean you know that's a problem but i'm sure you'll get there the budget was 10 million dollars which is insane for a house yeah but for blumhouse Blumhouse. super high but super low considering how well it did uh opening weekend made 76 million in uh the states it's world, uh, yeah. Uh, it's wide release that weekend was 158 million, almost 159. Yeah, and its total worldwide gross as of this is 252.9 million against a $10 million budget for a slasher movie. Um, it officially dethroned Scream, which is bananas. I will say though, because of course I love Scream, uh, the one thing that impresses me the most about Scream is look at its opening week budget compared to its second week budget, and it's insane how that movie Group. relied on world word of mouth, which mm-hmm. doesn't exist anymore because of the internet. Um, yeah, very it rarely happens. The biggest horror movie with a female lead. Um, Halloween was not Scream. Sorry. Yes, um, it was the biggest movie opening with a female lead over fifty five, and the biggest opening for one of the Halloweens ever. Um, it was the second biggest horror movie opening ever after It, which came out in the 2017 version. And then it didn't quite beat out um, Venom. It was the second biggest October October opening ever after Venom, which also came out this year. Yep. 
Uh, so, d- just... I Which mean, is crazy because box office numbers are way down, super down. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that the biggest grossing October movies both are from this year is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's it's also a good sign. Yeah. Um, and also, holy shit, Blumhouse, good job! Like, wow, yeah. you guys killed it. Uh, I, I bet mean, Dimension Films is kicking themselves for letting yeah letting their uh, expire. Uh, and also, big shout outs to. Our friend Ryan Turek, who um, is has always been one of the most like genuine, sweetest people, um, monster kids turned horror aficionado turned works for Blumhouse, big guy. Yeah, yeah, like Hollywood big deal. Guy. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis straight up on her Twitter said this movie wouldn't exist without Ryan. Turek. Yeah, he's the one who pushed Blum to get it. He's the one who was on set every day, wanted Carpenter to be there, wanted Jamie Lee to be there, um, and he also was like my mentor. So uh, just super proud of him. Like. Holy shit, yeah. dude. Good job. Pretty incredible. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, give it a 78%, which is insanely high for a horror movie. Uh-huh. Uh, average rating of 6.8 out of 10. Uh, the critical consensus reads, Halloween largely wipes the slate clean after decades of disappointing sequels, ignoring increasingly elaborate mythology in favor of basic yet still effective ingredients. Which I think is very true. And then there's this variety um, review that I just think is super accurate and really reminds me of how I thought the Veronica Mars movie was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, Peter DeBruja of Variety felt that an act of fan service disguised as a horror movie. The fact that it works as both means that director Green has pulled off what he has set out to do, tying up the mythology that Carpenter and company established while delivering plenty of fresh suspense and grisly creative kills for younger audiences. And I just think that perfectly describes what this movie was. It was... 100% fan service. Oh, yes. If you are a fan, there's things, and I have a huge list of trivia that we'll go over at the end of nods that maybe you didn't catch. And I know I wasn't, lo- I was looking, but I wasn't trying to get distract myself by going like, oh, is that from Halloween 4? Is that, because I wanted to be able to enjoy mm-hmm. the movie on its own. Um, but from beginning to end, it's paying homage to every single sequel, not just the original. And um, from the get-go, like with this poster even, because the day the poster dropped, people lightened it and could see that Michael Myers' eye is fucked up in it, which is a nod to the first movie mm-hmm. where Laurie stabs him in the eye with the uh, coat hanger. So, <clears throat> I mean, Blumhouse from the, from the start was ready to make sure that the fans were taken care of more than anything, I feel, in this movie. But then they delivered with a really effective Halloween movie Mm -hmm. and slasher that I think, I mean, we'll get to it when we talk about the kills, but it's very um, of this time. Oh, yes. This is the kills and the pacing is a current horror movie. It is not like the 78 version Mm -hmm. in that way at all. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this poster? So the original poster, I'll talk about like the teaser poster that came out and then the official like film poster that has Jamie Lee on it. But the teaser poster is Michael Myers in the top left hand corner and he kind of goes corner to corner looking down and he's staring straight at the Halloween title, which if you've listened to me talk about it in other movies, we call that um, like line of vision. Um, so you're leading your eye, um, you're starting in the left-hand corner, you're going down Michael's mask, and it's taking you right down to the bottom corner. The only thing is it is a little, like, <laughs> it does it, but you're doing it from top left to top right. 
Um, so I wish that the Halloween title of the film wasn't shoved in the right-hand corner. I think it should have been a little farther to the left. Um, I think it's a little bit too diagonal and it distracts me. It literally pulls me from the poster and I just noticed that. But besides that, I mean, using the imagery of his mask, which is common in all of the posters, but having more of this side profile where the eye is hidden. And like Rain said, if you um, brighten it and you look at the actual um, right eye that is more visible, you can see the scar. Um, You're getting your first glimpse really of the new mask, which is a very important part of this franchise. Um, Very important because they either get it right or they don't get it right. Oh, and they got it right. And they they got got it right. They got it really right. Um, And it's weathered. It's Mm. giving you that idea like this 40 years later, like 40 years have gone by. Um, and you're kind of seeing that age and they bring that into the, the actual movie poster too. Yeah. And I think what I love about this movie poster is like, it's, it's showing you like Michael Myers is old now. Um, like, (laughs) and you can't see him, but you see his mask and it's like you said, it's weathered. Mm -hmm. And then what I really like is, and it's very subtle, you can see his skin and like, it's just like right around his eye on the Mm -hmm. left side there. But like so much of the time when his mask is present, it's like blacked out. It's like black eyes essentially. And this is showing you like, no, there is a human human behind behind it. it. Yeah. Which is what makes my face so scary. Um, and the second one is what the actual movie theatrical poster. It's not the teaser poster. It's got Jamie Lee's name at the top. It's got a side profile of her Halloween nice and big at the bottom and then all of your credits and the tagline face your fate. The thing I like about this poster is they're doing the same thing that they did with Michael in the teaser and they're showing Lori's age. That's mm-hmm. not like this soft like flattering they're really trying to show. Um, they're trying to show similarities between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really just mirrored. She's in black and white. You can see, like, the lines in her face. Um, and then Michael is in the back and face forward, which is how he usually is in all of the posters. So I do like that, too, because if you go back and look at all of the Halloween posters, almost all of them have a front-facing view of Michael, except for the first one. He's not on it at all. Um, and so I really like that nod, too. And, I mean, this is, that's the great thing about teaser posters is you can kind of be a tiny bit more artistic where this one you really have to be like, this is what this fucking movie is. But I do love what it's representing. I love, like, the sides of both of them and sort of showing that they're both weathered, time has gone by, but she's ready to face him. And I think that's really cool and I think these are really well done posters. Um, So, obviously, as we said, there are 11 Halloween movies um the first so the first ones but this one is a direct sequel to 1978 right and ignores all other halloween movies other than halloween 1978 the first halloween 1978 of course has um seven six sequels i don't know halloween 2 halloween 3 which isn't really connected um very minorly uh which is season of the witch halloween 4 the return of michael myers halloween 5 the revenge of michael myers halloween the curse of michael myers halloween h2o 20 years later and halloween resurrection um which came out in 2002 and that was the end of the um sequels sequels yeah until rob zombie rebooted the franchise in 2007 that movie had its own official sequel halloween 2 in 2009 and then of course this one uh, nearly a decade later completely erasing everything else so this is 
along with Child's Play, but this is the only um, one of the big franchises to have an entry in every decade. Um, It has it in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the aughts, and then the teens. Nightmare does it? No. 90s. There was no Nightmare movie in the 90s? Uh, Probably. I don't know. I can check that, but I'm pretty sure... I mean, new new nightmare. The different, the big one there would be new nightmare and reboot. That's the largest, and new nightmare might be ninety nine. It was definitely, but the, yeah, I, no, there's I don't definitely think, ones in then. But I don't think it's it not going to have one. It's not going to have one in the. I'm not counting remakes. I'm talking sequels. Oh yeah. Um. No. It's not going to have one in the teens. No, yeah. yeah, and Friday. I mean, at this point, we're almost uh, we're almost ten years removed from the yeah. last Friday movie, and yeah. that was a remake. It was not a sequel. Yep. So this is one of the and Scream. I mean, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I, it's just Child's Play since the eighties have been putting one out in every decade, and now Halloween has with twenty eighteen. That's awesome. I mean, it's really cool that they were able to. Get this bring movie it back made. To it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Danny McBride confirmed he and Green had originally intended to pitch two films that would be shot back to back, and they decided against it. They wanted to see how the first film would do, uh, which uh, it did great because by yeah. the end of opening weekend, they confirmed that early development on a sequel had begun, which of course it was going to because it cleaned up at the box office and it made. 20 times its budget back yeah it'll be interesting to see because carpenter did come out and say this is the last halloween movie um so and i know he's a fan of this film and it's yeah. happy with how it turned out he was on set a lot yeah so i'll be interested to see um if he has any involvement with the sequel um or how supportive he will be of it um john carpenter along with his son cody carpenter and daniel davies did the score uh, John obviously did Halloween 1, 2, and 3, but none of the other sequels. Um, and then Cody, his son, did a master of, uh, has done episodes master of, Masters of Horror in a short film. Um, I love the score of this movie. I think yeah. it's fantastic. So what they did is it is still the original score to the first Halloween, um, but then they updated it. So John Carpenter was interviewed, and it was before he had seen the film, so he didn't score it until the movie was done. It will happen two ways. Um, In movies, either they will be sort of scoring it as it goes along and have input, or it's really the film's in the can, and it comes to them, and they just make it happen. Um, And so that's how this was. The film was done, came to him, and he said it's going to depend on what the film needs but he said either we're going to create a new score or we're just going to update the one from the original and so that's what they did um and they modernized it oh it's so and, cool um it's really cool to hear the original with some more industrial sounds in it mm-hmm. um, there's one scene in particular where allison is running down the street and it's like really the first time you hear like the updated score because it is the original halloween but then like it sounds so much fuller Mm -hmm. and there's like this organ in it that kicks in and it's so like it's hard to take something perfect and it's dangerous to say improve upon it but the fact that you can change it at all and not ruin it 
I well, think it's is servicing a different film. Yeah, that wouldn't work in the original Halloween. And it, ju- yeah, you're right. And it just also was like, like you hear it and you're excited because you you're hearing the story that you're in love with, but also it just like then it kicks in with this like new part and you're like, what is this? And it worked. Like you just ought, like instantly recognize how well it works. Um, and I think you're right. Like it's updated because, as we've said numerous times already, like they had to update this movie for modern times. And I think the way they did it still makes everyone who loves the original Halloween score go, "Yes, I love this." And anyone who has never heard it or maybe heard it and was like, "Oh, that's cheesy synth or whatever," won't do that here because it is. It's so like they did this whole movie is just so much of a perfect job of doing the same thing while completely doing it new. And I think the score, like, really shone through with that. Um, David Gordon Green's director, he's actually directed quite a bit of stuff, but his name might not be super on your radar. Um, he did Pineapple Express, Your Highness, uh, Stronger, Our Brand is Crisis, Joe. He works a lot with Danny McBride. Um, he also worked on... Uh, this They're writing partners. Yeah. So even films that um, he's directed, if he wrote them, then... Um, Danny McBride and Jeff Bradley, who wrote this film, were also pretty much involved. Yeah, so um, you'll see that a lot, actually, and like especially comedy duos, it happens a lot. I think it is it's really important. I think it's really interesting to see, actually, because if you go back and like you can find interviews with certain people, I can't like I don't have any off the top of my head. I should have researched a little more, but like a lot of people say that comedy and horror are like so alike because of they're pit timing. Yeah, because uh-huh. it's all timing, and like they're two of the genres. Like you wouldn't think they cross over a lot, but they do because like the there's so much of it is based on timing, and also striking that one like little part of your brain that is going to go, "This is scary" or "This is funny." Yeah, emotion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So when they announced David Gordon Green and Danny McBride, like, a lot of people were like, what the fuck? Fuck, yeah. Um, Which I agree. Like, it was a weird casting or, like, a weird announcement. Not casting, but, like, a weird announcement. But I am also very much on board with, like, the idea of let them prove it to me because, like, I totally recognize that there are people out there, like, Joss Whedon or Kevin Smith who are mostly comedy or, like, teen drama or whatever, but they are also fascinated with horror. And, like... Well, and also, like... You're not one-dimensional as an artist, Mm -hmm. and that's any kind of art. That's why it always would bug me why when people would get mad if, like, actors would, like, put out a music album or something, or if music artists switch genres or do something a little bit different on an album. It's like, why do they always have to do one thing? Can they not be expansive enough and creative enough to do something else? Yeah. Like, even go back to the movies we were just talking about. So the Russo brothers that directed Avengers Infinity War, before they directed the Captain America movies, which were their intro to the Marvel Universe, they directed Community. Yeah. They were, like, basically teaming up with Harmon to make Community. Um, So, yeah, you're, like, that's absolutely how you should always think about i think artists because they are not one-dimensional and like i can totally understand wanting to flex your muscles a little and go like what can we do here especially like if you have a good idea and i think they had a great idea um so yeah they i mean david gordon you directed and then him along with jeff Fradley and danny mcbride wrote it um the cast is so we do have two returning members of the original cast um, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode, of course, and Nick Castle as The Shape. 
Um, I know there's actually a voice sound-alike that comes back to do the, the Loomis. Uh, I just can't remember who, who it is exactly, but I did read that. Like, they had someone who was a voice sound-alike. Um, also have, uh, you know, perennial best friend Judy Greer stepping up as Karen, Lori's daughter, um, like a strange daughter. Andy uh, Matichuk. Mm-hmm. Um, as Allison, who is, I believe this is her debut film. It is. Because they wanted someone completely yeah, fresh. Yeah, so both Lucy Hale and Emma Roberts were in talks to star as Allison. I think I would have hated that. I don't know if I would have hated it. I don't know if I would have hated it, but it would have been very different. No, it would have been very different. And so they decided, and they, I mean, Blumhouse likes both of those actors, and so do I. I mean, I think they're both great horror actresses, and both have appeared in Scream 4. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but they decided that they wanted to do what they did in the original, um, and Jamie Lee Curtis was unknown. Halloween was her big debut, um, and so they wanted to do that with Andy. Smart. Uh, I, I think agree. it works very well. Yeah, and she's great. Uh, James Jude Courtney also as the shape. He plays the shape without the mask. I thought he played shape with, and Nick Castle played without. Mm. I no. thought they switched once the mask was on. I'll look that up right now, but um, that's opposite. Uh, Hollick Bilgner as Dr. Sartain. Will Patton as Officer Hawkins. Uh, Will Patton's definitely, like, you'll recognize him as soon as you see him because he's played a cop in, like, 900 things. Oh, maybe that is him yeah. without the mask. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, James Stu Courtney as him without the mask and Nick Castle with the mask. Um, Ryan Reese as Dana Haynes. Jefferson Hall as Aaron Corey. Those are the podcasters. Uh, Toby Huss as Ray. Virginia Gardner as Vicky. Those are her friends along with Dylan Arnold as Cameron Elam, Miles Robin as Dave, Drew Sheed as Oscar, all friends of, um, are like one of the three uh, final girls, and Allison, and then Jill Bray, then Tombo as Julian, who I believe is the kid who's babysitted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The boy, the boy she's babysitting. Excellent. Yeah, he's so good. He is the comedic relief he of the is. movie that is very much needed. Uh-huh. Because this movie, um, who? Uh, it is definitely a I mean, slasher. It's a through slasher. Through. Yeah. There's no sub genre nope. of anything. This it's is a slasher, a slasher gets. Uh, <laughs> the iconic weapon is definitely the butcher knife. Uh, Michael's iconic weapon of choice, of course. Yes. Um, the potty count is hella oh high. Oh my god, it's so high. Ryan and I went and saw this in theaters with our good friend Jeremy and my husband. Um, and... Ryan and I kept looking at each other like, oh my god, there's like, there's another person getting killed. Like, holy shit, this is insane. Because this is just not, this is just not normal. It's not normal for Michael. It's not normal in slashers. This is a fucking high-ass body count. By well, far the highest that we've covered. Right. And like she said, our friend Jeremy went with us. We took him actually on his, his birthday. birthday. And he's not super into slashers, but he was like, I, like it looks good. I want to check it he out. He horror movies, but not slashers. Yeah, because he's like, they're just not threatening to me because it's like just a person. But he's sitting there, and he literally is, like, counting. And I'm like, what are you counting? And he goes, he's killed ten people so far. And I was like, holy shit. And he goes, that's a lot. And yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, that's a lot of people. So he does, um, <laughs> the ultimate body count is 18 people, which is super high for a slasher movie. I think it's probably the highest in any we've covered so far. Average is, like, nine. Yeah. That's, like, the high end, too. I would say, like, if we average out all the kills, which maybe I'll do that next week for our next episode... I'd say seven. I would guess six or seven, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's also the first film in the series where Michael kills a young child, which is 
pretty taboo in uh-huh. horror movies. He spares the there's a baby. Oh, in the and they movie. red herring you so bad. <sighs> There's a moment where everyone in that theater tenses up yeah. because you've already seen him kill like a nine year old, yeah, or a twelve year old, or whatever, yeah. a kid, yeah. And, and so it's man. like he goes to the baby, and you're just like, I don't. I mean, the kid's one thing. I don't think I could have. Uh, it would have been, been okay yeah. with the baby, and I think it was. Smart. I think that's still taboo for a reason. Yeah, and I think it was on like. David Gordon Green's just showing the kill with the kid, like it leads you to be so tense with him to create a moment where just seeing him walk through a room that has a crib in it makes you that tense is such a smart play, which I, I really, I love that. And so <coughs> they don't kill the kid. And I will say that there's a deleted scene. I will spoil this for you guys. I'm sorry, but they did originally kill a dog in this movie and that is a deleted scene. And Ooh. I am glad that that was not in the final cut. Yeah. I am so tired of killing dogs in movies. If you kill 18 people, you don't need to kill a dog. Show me that you're tough, okay? (laughs) Um, So this movie starts with the podcasters, um, Aaron and Dana, who, I mean, I love that it starts with them making this podcast about Michael Myers because, like, we just mentioned uh, True Crime Podcasters. It's so ridiculously huge right now. I mean, it's trendy and it's successful. I mean, my favorite murder just did their live event on Halloween in Southern California and is the largest podcasting event ever. A live event ever. It sold out like an arena so or a stadium or something. So, I mean, props to them. Um, but it is just so successful ever since Serial. Um, and you see it everywhere you turn. I mean, on Netflix, all these shows making murder and then it's even being parodied with shows like... Um, American Vandal, so it's just incredibly successful. So it's these two, I believe they're British podcasters who are making, um, 40 years later, they're trying, Michael Myers is being uh, moved from his penitentiary, or his um, facility facility to another more like harsh environment. So they're trying to get him to speak before he's officially moved when they won't have any access to him. So they go out there, um, and I think this movie actually starts kind of slow. Um, but not in a bad way, just in a way, like, I think it's very important and establishes, like I was saying, it makes it so if you've never seen the original, you can understand, like, what's happening, and I think that's good, and I don't think it's, like, boring at all either. I think it's informative. It kind of shows you, like, the world where, like, the world they're introducing us to is still, like, it's kind of just showing you, like, yes, it's current day, like, these podcasters want to do this stuff with Michael, but it's also, like, still kind of, like, small town suburban Haddonfield just 40 years later, uh, and then, of course, so they go and they... Yeah, it's a big, um, like, intro scene before. Oh, yeah, it's really long, um, because it's the whole thing. And they do all this stuff with, um... Jamie Lee. Jamie Lee. Um, and they find out about her estranged relationship with her daughter Karen and her granddaughter Allison and her mm-hmm. are pretty close and Allison doesn't understand why her mom is so against her grandma and wants her to be more involved in her life but she's also at the same time wanting her grandma Lori to get over it. And be able to be a part of normal society. Mm-hmm. Um, she just wants to have that normal 
granddaughter grandmother relationship um and so it's really playing with that in the first part of the movie oh yeah i mean we're introduced to i mean of course we're reintroduced to michael and laurie but also introduced to her family uh, her fam- her whole family dr sartain the podcasters like a, 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 her friends ray vicky cameron oscar all these characters are introduced like well before any kill happens yeah. Um, because I think they did the the right thing to establish exactly where we are and kind of take this from the approach, a very different approach than the other Halloween sequels, which is like, okay, we're not assuming you've seen the one before this. Yeah. And we're going to assume you haven't, and, like, we're still going to, like, be able to, like, let you follow along with this world. Um, so the first, the first kill we get is... When he's being transported. Yeah, so he's, so it is the night of his transport, and Lori actually goes to kill him, um, but she can't do it, and she ends up at the family dinner. Really drunk. Very drunk, uh, still drinking. Um, her dad, Ray, Mm -hmm. Toby Huss, is, he's such an oddball character. It's a really strange You can tell Danny McBride was just like... That was all him. Yeah, like, um, let's make the dad really weird. He's, like, super dad-like. Yeah. Like, dad jokes and, like, always, like, you know, messing with her boyfriend and, like, all this stuff. Um, and he's, like, he's an interesting character, but she like, she's drinking his drink and he's like, okay, Lori, I think that's enough. And she kind of has a breakdown and, you know, her mom, Allison's mom, Lori's son, or Lori's daughter, tells, like, tells her, like, yeah, that's what I grew up with. Like, I'm glad you finally got to see that and kind of, like, see what I had to grow up with. Um, and then, like, the next day is when Lori's watching the news. And, I mean, before we see that, though, we do see the crash scene. And that's when we see... Um, a kid and his dad and that scene to me is super danny mcbride too because the kid's like dad i don't understand why we gotta go hunting i want to go to dance class and the dad's yeah. like oh like you know the dad's like kind of like this like old like so farmer you can go to dance type. class after we're done hunting yeah and the kid's like you know like i really like both but i just really feel like dancing where my heart is and then they come across the bus crash um the dad gets out uh to to try to help see if he can help and the son can't find him calls 911 goes to find him and it comes across the dead guard um who is like basically with his dying breath tells him like run and then he comes across his dad uh who or he sees his dad but we don't see his dad yet because that's not until later but basically his dad had his neck literally broken like whole head is backwards like you can see his actual like neck like yeah we just don't see the kill it's disgusting and then the kid is in the backseat of the truck when he gets or the kid michael's in the backseat of the truck when the kid gets back in there and he strangles strangles him him. he like slams his head into the window and he strangles him to death um and that is right right there is when you go oh oh shit this movie's going to be intense yeah they're not fucking around uh because most time like you'd see like you throw the kid out of the car or you know like you choke the kid out and leave him and he survives but no you just straight murdered that kid um pretty intense and then this is the part in the movie too where i feel like it just never lets off the gas. Yeah, like it, it just, just keeps going. slowly then builds. We go back to our reporters who are sort of like defeated and they're on their way back. They went to go talk to Lori. She wouldn't talk with them. Um, she did like a little bit and then she kicked them out. And so they got what they got. They're at this gas station and the woman goes to, um, Dana goes to go to the bathroom and Aaron's like pumping gas or something. And this is, uh, when michael he doesn't have his mask yet and you see that he like he beats he's beaten the mechanic with a hammer 
Um, and then you see the cashier. It's like jaw ripped, and this is Aaron like seeing all this, and the whole time like Dana's in the bathroom, mm-hmm. and Michael like walks into the bathroom, and this was like the famous like the trailer, trailer. yeah, and it was excellent. Oh it's, yeah, it's a bummer because it's a great part in the film, and so you were just like fuck, I know what's gonna happen, and I kind of hate that. Um, but Michael fucking comes in, she's going in the bathroom, and then she starts to be like, all right, this is weird, and she's like, you know, get out of here, and then he fucking drops the teeth yeah, into so her gross. stall. Ugh. And it's just like, then it's just mayhem. She's fighting, and she does a pretty good job fighting him off. And then Aaron comes in. And, and he then gets his ass whooped. He gets his ass whooped quick. Yeah. And you think almost like Dana might get away. Yeah, well, like Aaron, like, think- straight hits Michael with a crowbar. Yeah. And it, like, Michael barely phases him. He just smashes his head in the wall. And it's so weird because this is the first time we're ever seeing him in a confrontation without a mask. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just him. Um, and then he just gets Dana in the stall and he like fucking strangles her. And and I love it too, like this whole scene, because the whole time, the whole scene from the minute that they're at the gas station to the minute he walks into the bathroom, Michael does, you see him in the background. Like you see him pull up in his truck while they're getting gas and you see him walk behind the pod, like a blurred, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's him walking behind them. You can see him literally in his like all white, um, jumpsuit yeah like the the sanitarium like jumpsuit or whatever and then you see like when she asks where the bathroom is you can see him in the window beating the mechanic to death so it's like you have to be like you you might miss it like my wife missed it the um i've I've seen it twice now and i tried to point it out to her but it happened so fast i was like did you see that and she's like no what happened i was like he was beating the mechanic oh yeah you can clearly see it yeah Yeah. like but it's like in the window like while she's talking like they just do a good job at like kind of one horror fans probably know to look exactly and they do a good job at like misdirecting you um so it's just i don't know it's it's so good at like immediately like he is this is four years later, and, like, you've already met Lori, who looks, like, battle-worn. Yeah. And then you see Michael, and, like, you, what, the first thing I thought, like, when Michael comes back is, he's on a mission. Uh-huh. And he's, like, unstoppable, yeah. because he has a goal, and he's going to achieve it. Yeah, like, he's had 40 years to just think about, like, all I want to do is just fucking kill her. Um, and this is also, like, where part of trivia plays in. The gas station is in, like, near exact replica of the gas station in Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers, including the icebox outside. It's, awesome. like, exactly the same. Love it. Uh, so, like, like I said, pretty much anywhere you look, if you're a fan of any of the sequels, not just the original, they've found a way to incorporate it. Uh, this and is... then that's also where he gets his mask. So it's, yes. it's like what I'm saying. It's like he was on a mission. And so the only reason he needed to kind of go after the reporters is because he needed his mask. And they had it. Yeah, they, they got it for the podcast. Um, and then so then we jump back to kind of like Lori and like the family life. Lori has obviously heard that he escaped. Um, she was at the scene. She goes, she breaks into Karen's house to like yeah. show her, look how easy it is to break into your house. And she's like telling her, you know, like how dangerous it is. And Karen is basically just pissed and like, mom, I can protect my family. Like you're, you're crazy. Like you, you need to seek help. Um, and not just brushing her off, like not listening to her at all. Um, and then we also know that Allison is like going to the Halloween dance that night. Um, and the next scene again, it just like goes to Halloween night and, Mm -hmm. you know, shows kids trick or treating. And like this scene is great because it's, 
I mean, it's kids running by. You saw in the trailer, kids running by, they bump into Michael, and it just follows him as he walks through someone's um, carport, picks up an, uh, hammer. a hammer from their shed, walks into their house, and beats the woman to death with a hammer. Mm-hmm. Off, it's off screen, but like you hear her. Um, he beats her with a hammer, and then he grabs he the butcher knife. knife. Yeah. And this is the red herring of when you hear the baby crying, and you're like, yeah. oh, shit. Um, but he walks through. And then so we continue to follow him. He kind of disappears off screen. And then we are following like this couple in their front yard. And they're like, you think he might go in their house? Because the guy's like, oh, I forgot my stethoscope. He's dressed as a doctor. But then we go into the house that was next door. And this girl's on the phone, uh, like a younger woman. And she's talking to her friend. She, and her friend is obviously telling her about the news report. Because she's like, oh, sh- like, thanks for calling. I'll make sure my door is locked. And again, and like. just fucking stabs her. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great because while she's saying this, you can see his silhouette in the alley next to her house you never see him but you see the silhouette walk by and then next thing you know like we said she's closing her blinds and he comes up behind her he just straps her through the throat um (coughs) i loved every part of it it was just like super fluid super fast paced um and just like really kicks in like again just like to me just the ga- from the gas station it's just like slowly throttling on that pedal like because it kicks in here it's like okay it's halloween night michael is back he's already killed someone he's got his butcher knife back like this is full tilt halloween going at it um yeah so i just i loved all of that uh vicky i love vicky i was so sad when she this is like in between this is we're kind of getting like character some character stuff yeah. like mostly allison um, we Some find weird stuff with her, with her boyfriend, boyfriend that didn't really work storyline wise. It's like the only part of the plot that sort of failed for me, and it's super minor. So it's like whatever. I'm not going to dive into it. We basically find out Cameron's an asshole. Yeah, and like, but like very left turn, really left turn, and like doesn't really make any sense. It seems really shoehorned in. I'll be interested to see when the the DVD comes out if some deleted scenes explain it a little bit better. They found a really weird way for her not to have her phone. He like throws it in some like nacho cheese or something. Mm-hmm. So it all seems like, but it doesn't make sense because he's the one in the wrong. So why would he be throwing her phone? That all seemed very strange, um, and like clunky to me. Um, and like a weird way to make it so her phone didn't work because now we have to do that in movies. We have to explain why your cell phones don't work. Yeah. I mean, Um, it's true. We do have to do that. But it was Um, weird, especially like the whole time is, it's just bizarre because like the whole time her dad's like, oh, I went to high school with his dad and his dad's kind of like, was kind of like into no good. And she's like, no, he's a really good guy. And then he goes out to dinner with them and they really like him. And he seems like likable. And he like does a Bonnie and Clyde gender, like cross costume with with them, which is like cool. And then out of nowhere, he goes to the dance and drinks and like he drinks. And then like it comes up and she's like, oh, oh, what you're drinking? Like, you know how you are when you're drunk. And it's like, where is this coming from? And he makes out with another girl. Also that scene, like the shit out of me, because the way he tried to lie, he's like, what 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 she was she literally was she was whispering in my ear she was whispering in my ear what did you think happened it's like dude doesn't even look the same making out with someone and someone whispering in your ear to me never has ever looked like i don't know how you make out in wherever where is this chicago or illinois but not like that super funky um so i agree with you like definitely the clunkiest part of the movie very strange um, we're, and then we're, you know, reintroduced to Vicky and Dave, and this is also when we meet, um... Yeah, Vicky is babysitting. Uh, Julian. Yes. And it's super fun. She's, like, the fun babysitter, really likable, 
Um, her boyfriend Dave is like just kind of goofy a and goofy like the stoner dude. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she so was they, in the movie Blockers as essentially the same character. So yeah, uh, and they're just movie. two like characters where you're just like not so intense because the Strode family. It's like so much drama, and mm-hmm. so this is sort of like here's our friends. It's Halloween night. They're just trying to have fun and like party a little but not like too irresponsible she's still a good babysitter like it's not like she's a bitch to the kid um and again like a fighter like we Mm -hmm. get a lot of cool stuff like with julian and um some suspenseful stuff because you obviously know like michael's going to come there um and Vicky's upstairs, and she goes, another scene that was kind of ruined by the trailer. I know. That's the one scene I really wish yeah. they had cut. The teeth, I don't mind, but that one, I was like, damn, that would have been a good, like, no, because effective you're, scare. The whole time you're in the bedroom, you're waiting for that scene, because mm-hmm. um, you know she goes to close the closet door, and he's in it. Yep. Um, so sure enough, Julian's scared. He says there's something in the closet. She goes to shut it. She can't shut it, because fucking Michael's hiding in the closet. All mayhem ensues. Julian Julian runs out and Dave's like, what's going on? He's like, you're going to get your ass killed, Dave. Get out of here. Um, Vicky tries to escape. And like as she's like upstairs, like trying to get down the stairs, she just gets stabbed. A bunch. Stabbed and stabbed. Uh, yeah, and then, I mean, Dave dies too, we find out later, but yeah. he's literally pinned to the wall with the knife. Yeah. Um, and he has an the Halloween yeah. tattooed, he has the date, ten thirty one eighteen tattooed on his arm. the day they were going to have sex for the first time, right? I don't know, I, that's yeah, kind of what's Yeah, it kind of seemed like they were gonna, like, have sex that night for the first time, or maybe it's her, I don't know, it was kind of weird. Um, Yeah. But this is also, like, kind of... Uh, we've met him before, but this is when I think, really, Will Patton as Officer Hawkins kicks in as, like, a really main character. Because he meets up with Lori, who has been on the radio all night, like, just trying to find... Because she knows Michael's out and about. So she's been listening to the police radio, tuning into it, trying to find out where he is. And when calls of a domestic disturbance come in, they both arrive on the scene. Um, Will gets in the house first. Lori's outside, and she does see Michael. She takes a shot at him. Uh, another really cool scene. She takes a shot because she sees his uh, sees him up in the window, and it's in the mirror. Um, and then she actually shoots him once. Like she does get a shot in before he takes off, and then her and Will kind of collide. And this is all happening kind of at the same time that Will's going through the house. That's when he discovers like Dave and Vicky. And Vicky has been propped up like Bob from the original Halloween movie, which is another really cool nod. Um, that scene was pretty gross too. There's like that scene was cool though because it's in the room. There's a pumpkin floating in the fish tank, mm-hmm. um, and then like there's blood, like wet blood on that like sheet. I, I just thought like yeah, the, the whole way it was atmosphere was in really general cool. um, mm-hmm. was really well done. Uh, and again, like you know, we've discussed it so much. Like it's crazy because I just feel like this movie does such a good job of. It, it's making sure you know it's on Halloween or that we're out. It's not overtly like, this fucking Halloween. But it does the little things. Like, I mean, yeah. yes, they're going Kids to a costume, costume dance. But the costume yeah. dance, is it, it's there maybe four minutes from the movie. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and then, like, just, like, the pumpkin and the thing. And, like, mm-hmm. just making sure the streets are decorated. And, yeah. you know, when he's out, like, he does run into trick-or-treaters. I just really enjoy all that, too. <clears throat> so at this point, Lori knows full-on, like, he's here. Will knows he's here. They all know he's here. Um, the cops are called into the house. You know, they're trying to find Michael. Lori's trying to get, um, find Allison because Allison left the dance. Her phone's not working. Um, we find out that Dr. Sartain lived. 
um, from the prior bus crash, and he's on the scene as kind of like a consultant to because they feel like okay, he can kind of like understand Michael's mind. Yeah. Um, so they bring him in to try to like help track down Michael. Same reason Lori's kind of like teamed in because like she survived and she's like this is also kind of when we realize like. I mean, this is when Lori admits it, which which is something we've realized is she's wanted this moment because she wants Michael to get killed. Yeah. And she wants to be the one to do it. She doesn't want him to be locked up. Yeah, she wants him to die. Um, so we're kind of like jumping back and forth between Lori and like her looking for Allison and Michael and also getting her family to safety. Um, and then also Allison, who's walking back. She takes a shortcut with her friend Oscar. Um, who very much incorrectly thinks that Lori has or Allison has feelings for him and makes a super creepy move on her. Um, and I love this scene too because Allison straight up is like, ew, fuck no, what? And she's like, we're friends. Just because we're friends doesn't mean I'm interested in you. Just because I'm being you. nice to you doesn't mean I want to kiss you. Yeah. Basically, it's what she has to tell him. So she leaves him in like this yard with security lights. Um, and Here comes good old Mikey. Yep, and he thinks it's like the guy who owns the house. He's like, "Sorry, dude," and he's, he's like, drunk. He's yeah. hella drunk, and he's like, "I just thought this girl liked me, and like, you know, uh, I got drunk, and you know, blah blah blah." He's explaining it, and then the lights go off, and they turn on, and Michael's gone. And he like looks to the side, and suddenly he's over there. And they turn off, and they turn on, and he's closer. Um, and I thought this whole scene was very effective too. And then. <coughs> What I love is Michael's, like, right next to him, but instead of killing him, he just lets... Lets him run. He lets him run, like, which is what he does. And the kid's, like, running. very cat and mouse. Yeah, and the kid's running, and he can't get over the gate. And this scene was brutal, too. The lights go off, and you see him get killed with the lights off while silhouetted. And again, you don't see it. Allison comes back because she hears him. And the lights flash on, and once again, like we're introducing this kill. Yes, the fence is straight through his chin. He's killed, and she finally sees Michael. Yeah, and this is also in that moment I was talking about where we hear the the new score, like the like the the updated score of the original. Yeah. So she's just running down the street, just trying to find houses, and yeah. The only thing that was weird about this too (laughs) is that once she does find a house, and they get a hold of Lori and they you know she's gonna get picked up they're just like chilling outside the house which isn't too far away from where Michael just was yeah it was kind of weird it was it's, kind of weird where I was like why the fuck would they I guess be they outside? felt like strength in numbers like because there were like 10 of them I, I guess I, I at least liked more in this that she got someone's help instead of most horror movies where they're yeah. pounding on nine different and houses and no one answers I mean I wouldn't answer the door I, I don't know what I do. I can't say. But I would definitely, if somebody was pounding on my door and said, like, I need help, I would not answer. I'd be, if Ben was home, maybe. But not if I was home alone. I would say probably I would be like, I will call the police for you. Yeah, I would call the cops yeah. either way and be like, there's somebody pounding on my door. I don't know if they need help or if they're trying to get into my house. But, yeah. but I would not let them in. I guess, I guess, I guess that's true. Um, but, yeah, so... They finally catch up to her. Uh, Lori has already taken Karen and Ray to her house, which is a safe house, essentially. And it's being guarded by the police. And Will and Dr. Sartain go to pick up Allison to transport her to the safe house. On the way to transport her, they run into Michael, literally, because they They find him him and Will runs him him over over. with a car. Just dope. Um, Super awesome. I love that because he's like... 
he sees him and he accelerates and i was like is he actually gonna hit him because like most movies like you're sitting there screaming like why didn't you just fucking kill him yeah and he tries to and he does he he tries to kill him he runs him over and then he take he gets out of the car and he like as aim has got him he's like i'm gonna make sure he's dead and sartain gets down he's like he is dead like he he checks his pulse he's like he's dead you killed him and then fucking Sartain turns around with this knife he had hidden in his pen and murders Hawkins. Uh-huh. Um, fucking puts goddamn Michael Myers in oh, yeah. the car. Yeah, and he puts Michael Myers' mask on and he looks like a like a tiny version of Michael Myers because yeah. he's very short. And they're in a cop car, so he's in the back with freaking um, Allison. Allison. And she's back there and she's just screaming like, oh my God, like, what are you doing? What did you just do? Yeah, and Sartain kind of does this like, evil villain monologue yeah. about how the big reveal yeah he he wanted michael to get out into his natural environment he just wants him to talk yeah he wants him to say something and he also thinks that like him and Lori are like if he wants to see what they're like in their natural environment because he thinks they'll find their way back to each other he's and, obviously like, mentally ill he's he, become so obsessed with michael that he's been driven to um kidnap him and (laughs) so they get out to about like just literally maybe 50 feet away from laurie's house and allison who has no idea where they're going tells sartain if you stop the car i'll tell you he spoke to me and i'll tell you what he said which is a lie but she's smart which is a great theme of this entire movie is the women are all very intelligent and like self-sufficient and fighters and so she yeah so she tricks him into stopping the car and michael wakes up and the other cops come over like there's cops guarding Lori's house and they notice the car behind them and they think it's will because he's kind of like got this reputation for being like a drunk and so they think it's him and they go to stop him and while they're doing or not stop him but go see investigate while this is happening Sartain, like, uh, Michael wakes up and Sartain is, like, talking, like, trying to get him to talk. And this was the most brutal kill of the movie to me. Michael just fucking curb stomps his head and it bursts open like a pumpkin. Yeah. It was disgusting. It was intense. It was so gross. Um, And then Allison runs out into the forest. The other cops show up. And, again, we don't know it yet, but we're going to find out that they are fucking dead for sure. Because while Allison is running through the forest, Ray, the goofy-ass dad who is yo-yoing in the house. Um, by the way, we're at Lori's house, which we find out has a whole safe room under the stair, or like in the basement. It has a trap door, like a trick door. Her kitchen counter like slides out on a remote control, and you go downstairs, and it's got hella weapons and like supplies. So she has turned her house into a safe house just because of this it's got you know video cameras everywhere it's got an alarm system it's got bars it's got every little um you know trick you could think of but he goes because he sees the cop car pull up he goes outside to like he's like you got any news you heard anything going on he opens the door to the cop car and both the cops are dead one of their throats is slashed and the um the other one will once decapitated and the one's throat slashed, and he has the flashlight shoved up through his throat, so it's illuminating his face like a jack-o'-lantern. Um, really <coughs> it's really cool. It's great imagery. And then Ray dies, which everyone saw coming. He's That's killed with a wind like chime. A, is it a wind chime? I thought it was, like, with a chain. No, I thought it was the wind chime because one of the things I noticed the second time I saw it is you can hear the wind chime when he steps outside, and then it stops. And you realize it stops because Michael grabbed the wind chime. Hmm. At least I thought that's what it was, but I'm not sure. Um, 
This part was also pretty funny to me because Karen runs downstairs. Um, like Lori recognizes, it, like s- sees what's happening. Lori run or Karen runs downstairs, and Lori's like, "Get in the basement!" And she's like, "Where's Ray?" And she's like, "Get in the basement!" And then no one gives a fuck that Ray is dead at all. It's just sort of like, yeah. I mean, and how I kind of justified that, it's like. I mean, Michael's out there. There's, like, no time to be like, oh, God, my husband, what am I going to do? Like, I feel like they were trying to avoid doing any of the stupid things that frustrate people. Like, her running out there and being like, Ray, oh, my God, we got his body in here. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's true. But I just thought it was funny because, like, no, like, she's like, she's like, where's Ray? Go in the basement. Okay. It's like, shit. It's just, like, accepted. He's gone. So Karen goes in the basement, and of course, Lori is kind of going to stand off against Michael. She goes up to the door. This was another scene in the trailer. You know, you see Michael come up, grab her head from behind. He's basically, he almost kills her. She gets a shotgun shot off and blows off half his fucking hand. Yeah. So half of his hand is blown off, blown off now. (coughs) And Lori goes down into the basement. Um, Lori goes down in the basement and Michael gets into the house. Um, and she, like, takes a shot at him from the basement floor. Uh, and then she goes up. She's like, I, I have to finish this. She goes up to find him. At the same time, we're finding out, basically, that Allison is running through the forest and she happens across Lori's house. Um, kind of lands in the backyard where all the broken-ass mannequins are. Um, so she's kind of, like, summoning her way in. Lori finally finds Michael... Well, she's going through her house, and she has this dope thing yeah, where she... she's going, like, room by room. Yeah, and, like, once she's cleared a room, she has a button she hits that closes, closes... the door. It closes... It puts bars over the door. So if he is in there, he can't get out. Because um, the whole point, again, is not for Michael to... She wants to kill him. She doesn't want, like... There's no, like... There's no other sense of justice to her at this point. It's like, I'm going to trap him so that I can kill him. Not so that he can be caught. Yeah. Um... And she gets up into a room where she keeps her fucking spare mannequins, like the creepiest room ever. It's literally just a room full of spare mannequins. And she finds Ray's dead body in the closet, so I guess Michael brought it in for her. And then he attacks her, um, and and he throws her out the fucking window. And then again, we get an homage. Yeah, he stares at her, and then her body's gone, which is similar to Lori. Michael gets thrown out the window, she looks down, and then he's gone. Yeah, because Allison goes into the house, and Michael turns away, looks back, and Lori's body's gone. Um, So Lori does get inside. No, um, Karen manages to tell Allison to get into the basement. Yeah, they go downstairs. Um, And then Michael is... Like, becomes aware of where they are, and he fucking uses his inhuman strength to rip the kitchen counter off of the floor... And this was my fucking favorite scene in the movie. Like, this culmination. Yeah. So, Karen's downstairs with Allison. She's got her old gun that Lori taught her with. And she's, like, screaming for, like, Allison behind her. And she's, um... And she's, like, waiting there. And she has it aimed up at, like, an em- like the staircase that's leading into the kitchen. It's empty. Like, Michael's not there yet. And she's, like, screaming. And she's like, I can't. Mom, Mom, I need your help. I can't do this. I can't do this. Michael steps into frame. And she just very suddenly, like, steadies up. And she just goes, gotcha. And shoots fucking Michael right in the shoulder. And then from right behind we go right to the kitchen and it's like an all black door frame just like in the original halloween 1978 but instead of michael's face appearing it's Lori's. what'd she say doesn't she say happy halloween does she say trick-or-treat she says some fucking one-liner and then attacks michael um 
which is great. And then, so basically, she attacks Michael. All of, all of the women basically attack him, and they manage to get him downstairs in the basement. And then that's like the whole like twist, quote unquote twist is. Um, Karen throws this switch and these bars lock Michael in the basement and she goes that's the thing it was never a prison it was a trap and they fucking blow the house up yeah um, but the whole thing like the whole last especially the last 15 minutes is so empowering for women mm-hmm. I think because it's 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 just really cool to see it's three generations of women you know grandmother mother daughter and they all are fighting him in their own right um, like they all do like, you know, Karen shoots him, Lori, um, attacks him in the kitchen and then Allison stabs him, which eventually gets them able to like get him down the stairs. But like for, it was just like, it's a very like female empowerment movie because especially even with like Ray dying and, um, well, I think more than anything, it just comes down to not so much about it being empowering just because they're battling him because that happens in almost all slasher films yeah it comes down to the final girl and there's no guy there to help her kill them i think it became more empowering in the fact that they were estranged Mm -hmm. and that karen was really resentful of how she grew up um and Lori was just trying to um do what she thought was best and then that makes Allison resentful of her mother mm-hmm. because she doesn't have a relationship that she wants with their grandmother. So we kind of have these women who have been fighting against each other their entire lives and then in this situation they're able to come together and understand like why all of this has happened and are able to understand Lori more. Mm-hmm. It bridges um, a gap between yeah. three generations of women which mm-hmm. I thought was super cool and like they manage to do it. It doesn't feel heavy-handed. It doesn't feel forced. It all feels very natural, um, especially when like the whole movie, you've kind of seen them be combative towards each other. Um, like you were saying, you know, yeah. like Lori's relationship with Karen has made her relationship with Allison weird, and Allison has been resentful of both of them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and this singular issue is is what drives them to kind of like come together uh and i just thought it was really well done it's just super cool um my favorite kill in the movie is dr sartain i hated that character he's a creep and i thought it was brutal i thought it was effective um i just i thought that was i i loved a lot of the kills in this movie but that's that's definitely my favorite and also it's like it's a little over the top, and I kind and of... not possible. Yeah, but I kind of like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, uh, mine is like a reveal, not the kill. I love the, the deputy reveal of his face being carved out to resemble Jack-O-Lantern. Yep. Um, that's just insane, and I love it. Um, and because all the kills were so brutal, I love that they also had these sort of um, after-scene kills as well. You get both. Yes, um, which um, I really like. I thought it was a good mix of like on-screen and off-screen kills. Um, I'll power through a couple of these like really quickly because, like I said, there's so many nods to the original. Um, but I picked out like some of the really cool ones. Um, so, and probably things that maybe you wouldn't have really noticed, like in the child's bedroom, the rotating lamp features a clown with a knife, which is a nod to the first killing in the original film. Um, the um, TV newscaster can be heard describing the events of the original film as the Babysitter Murders, which was Carpenter's original title for the Halloween 1978. Um, 
when Vicky is babysitting Julian, she's wearing a white shirt with yellow sleeves. And in the original, Tommy Doyle is wearing pajamas with a white top and yellow sleeves um, when he lets Lori back in the house when she's being chased by Michael. So they're kind of like really specific mm-hmm. nods that I don't think you would really catch. A lot of the, there's so many visual homages that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, like the trick or treaters, there's th- the three masks from Season of the Witch. Um, which it's cool that they threw that one in there because Michael's not involved in that film, so mm-hmm. they found a way to still um, sort of play to that sequel. Um, and then another visual homage mm-hmm. I really liked was the, when Allison's in class, Lori's seen across from the classroom blinds, and it's practically identical to when Lori's, Lori's in class and looks out and sees Michael. Um, so you can look these up. There's so many things, and I think it's kind of fun to look at them and then rewatch it. Um, cause you'll peek a lot of things, but I think a lot of people probably went back and watched the series too before oh, yeah. they watched it. And I definitely so. just love that you can tell like Green and, and, um, McBride are fans. Well, and I think even if necessarily it wasn't them making those decisions, EPs like Ryan Turek are probably yeah. there being like, oh, that'd be cool. Let's do that. Yep. Or like, you know. Let's make sure we, you know, include this or that's an easy thing to do. We can put this lamp in there and make her outfit that color. Yep. And like the true fans will get it. Um, position the horror landscape. Um, I think it's kind of groundbreaking actually to take a movie, ignore every sequel, make a make a sequel 40 years later to the original. I'm not saying I want it to happen all the time, um, but I think it was like a bold move. And I do think, I hope, and I pray that it is a sign of the slasher renaissance that we want so bad uh you know with slashers with this and happy death day which we the happy the death 80s day now yeah with the happy death day to you trailer before this movie and the first one doing so well and then this doing so well i'm really hoping that we're seeing the slasher come back um so i think this is um it's a little it's it's that's, a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard for us to talk about its position because it's so new. Yeah. Um, so I think for now we can just say um, it's proven that um, people want to see slashers mm-hmm. and people are down to see old come back. Yes, and I think it's also definitely a sign as long as well as Happy Death Day, which we've covered, um, that horror movies are doing just fine yeah. in 2017, <laughs> 2018. Uh, so at the end of every episode, we do rank movies on our list, which you can find at keepscreaming.com slash the dash list. Um, we have covered a whole bunch of movies, 25 movies, uh, at this point. So this will be our 26th movie. Um, number one champ is still My Bloody Valentine from 1981, followed by I Know What You Did Last Summer. And the end of the list is rounded up by, uh, number 25, April Fool's Day, 24, Girls Night Out. Um, and if you haven't listened to our anniversary episode yet, we kind of go over the list and go over some of our favorite parts from all of these movies. So that was our last episode. It was a bonus episode. There's also a video out for it that you can watch on YouTube. Um, and that kind of goes into our list a little bit more, too. Yes. So make sure you check that out. Thanks to everyone who has so far and left comments. Juventino uh, and Robert, you guys are great. Um, and your friend, whose name I can never remember also commented on it i'm so sorry <clears throat> she listens to every episode now though um she comments on all of them erica? you know you know her somehow erica sure oh yeah it's yes. ben's cousin yes there we go erica thank you too um <clears throat> so where are you looking at um i mean high very high mm-hmm. um 
I'm trying to think. Hmm. I am looking at two. Okay. Um, I was actually thinking about it. I try not to think about it too much because I was like, yeah. I just don't want to like dwell on it. So on the drive here, it was like kind of the first time I was like, where would I put it? Yeah, I like to think about it like for a few seconds and be like, All right, we haven't talked about it yet because dissecting it always helps me decide, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I go like, okay, I think this. And then after we talk about it and go over what made it a slasher, then it's usually I'm like, oh, okay, where's this going to go? It's when I think about it, <clears throat> it has a few advantages over I know what you did last summer. But like the thing is, even when you take those advantages out, because for me, the advantages are the fact that it's able to so much stand on its own two legs. Even though it's a sequel. Even though it's a sequel. And pay so much homage to the original. I, But you take but those out. As its own movie. And as its own, I still think, Michael is scary as shit incredibly effective the score is beautiful Mm -hmm. the acting i think is great um what they're able to achieve with the three lead like the fact that there are three final girls and that Mm -hmm. it's not campy that it's not ham-fisted that it's not some like overly overtly like it's like a grandmother and mother and daughter story yes um it's not called that's something we see often um, so I like all of those things. I think the kills are effective as shit and super cool. Um, and, and, you know, Michael is all, obviously just one of my favorites, like favorite killers as a killer himself. It, it's just hard to look at and not... Like, I can't... It's hard for me, again, because it, it is so recent too, but it's hard for me to look at this because it is so much like the original Halloween, which we've always said is in our minds we'll definitely know incredibly high on this list and to look at it and go like how is this not better than i know what you did last summer yeah but what about my blade valentine um i just don't think it quite i don't know if it quite beats i think the only thing that holds it back a little is that it might just some of the fact that it is a sequel like that's the only thing i can really think of because again it's like my bloody valentine to me is the blueprint for a slasher mm-hmm. movie and it does that by being my bloody valentine um Not by trying to be anything else right and like i don't think this is trying to be like anything too much but i do think like i think it's it exists all, because Halloween. It does exists. exist, and I I think like it, it its merits stand on its own, removing the fact that it's a sequel to a movie, but not cool like like literally just barely under well, my bloody Valentine. And it stands on its own as a movie, <coughs> but it's the formula it's taking is coming from Halloween, and not to say my bloody Valentine isn't a little bit either. Um, it couldn't exist without Halloween, even if it wasn't a sequel, if that makes sense. This movie could be called, like, October 27th and not be Michael Myers. And the way it's set up still exists because of Halloween, 1978. Right, correct. Yes, yes, yes. Like, it's not breaking, it's not, like, groundbreaking or, like, yeah. changing anything. Mm-hmm. Which I think, I know you, what you did last summer also doesn't do any of no, that. it follows the formula. Yeah, if, but, like, I do just think it's, there's just so much that's so good about it. Mm-hmm. 
but I do think it is just like I said, it's barely. But no, there and is that's that. why I asked. I'm not saying <clears throat> I think that it is better than my bloody Valentine. I think we always just need to do a good job. Of yeah. Being like, well, what makes it better than I know what you did, but not my bloody Valentine? And yeah. I agree. I think two is a good spot for it. Cool. So Halloween 2018, David Gordon Green, Halloween Returns, H4O, whatever you want to call it. H- uh, H40. Next time I see Turek, I'm going to ask him because I know somewhere he said they he were coming He said up on with the a- Shockwaves group, I like wish, maybe I could search for it and it still exists if he didn't delete it. Yeah, it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but I will like bet my life on the fact that somebody posted it about it and he said, don't worry, it's not going to just be called Halloween. It's yeah. going to have I a subtitle. Even- remember no. that too and i was like okay good because i wasn't a fan that it was just being advertised as halloween and he mentioned that there would be a subtitle so we're gonna have to holler at him for some clarification yeah there. yeah so yeah uh number two now um which is awesome and we are going to be back in december i think b and i decided we are going to do a black christmas month so mm-hmm. we're going to cover the original and then the 2000s like really mean-spirited remake yeah black xmas which is damn near impossible to find online anywhere um yeah so we're gonna try out our new outro now just so you guys know so this is what you'll hear probably at the end of every episode so thanks thanks for listening and um we would love to hear from you so find us online at keepscreaming.com on facebook twitter and instagram at screamingcast And if you haven't yet, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. It really helps us grow and snag great new listeners. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep screaming!